Good morning, dear friends of Jesus. How would you feel if I preached my whole sermon with my arms crossed like this? Or if I was looking over here and I didn't look at all this way? Or what can you tell about someone that you're trying to talk to at dinner or at a meeting and they're just hammering away on their phone or they're vacantly staring somewhere else in the room? On the flip side, how do you feel when someone makes just the right amount of eye contact and reacts appropriately to everything that's going on in the room? Body language. It says a lot about a person. You see what's going on on the outside and you can gain a relatively reasonable idea as to what's going on inside, in their head. You can gauge levels of maturity, interest, or even comfort levels. The same holds true for Christians. Our body language says a lot about what's going on inside, but not just in our heads, in our hearts. This was never more true for anyone in the world as much as it was for Jesus. Jesus let us see what was in his heart through what he did while he was on this earth. He filtered every situation, every person through one question, how can I show love to this person or the greatest amount of love to as many people as possible? That's what made Jesus' body language what it was. And then in John 13, the words we have before us today, Jesus tells his disciples on the day before he died that they should have the same body language, the same filter as he had. The verses say, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus' body language is love. And if you don't think that's a huge deal, Let's just think about what the body language of the Jewish society at Jesus' time would have been. From Moses on, there were 613 individual commandments for the Israelites to keep. And it wasn't just a a way that they could live their lives. It was the way you lived your life if you were an Israelite. It ranged, the laws ranged from the ten, Ten Commandments that we know so well to how to cook your food, how to trim your beard. Every fine detail, every facet of life was covered by these 613 rules and regulations. And if you didn't keep these regulations perfectly, you were sinning. Any one of them that you broke, you were sinning. The Pharisees became the self-proclaimed watchdogs of the Jewish society to make sure everyone was keeping them to a T. Their filter in their life was very different than that of Jesus, and as a result, so was their body language. We see the body language of Jesus and the Pharisees butt heads so many times in the Gospels. And one instance happens in Matthew 12 when Jesus comes across a man with a shriveled hand, a crippled hand, on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was the holy day for the Jewish people where they could do nothing but worship God. No work could be done at all. You could only worship God in the synagogue or in the temple. 
The Pharisees know this, and so they go to Jesus and say, Teacher, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? The obvious answer for them is, No, you can't do that. It's not lawful. That's doing work. See, the filter of their laws and their regulations changed the way they looked at people, changed the way they looked at life. And so instead of having love ooze out of their hearts, instead of having love shine out to people, their body language was, was cold, calloused, it was rigid, you know, self-centered. They had good, God-pleasing laws that, that, that had been passed down, but through the ages, the Pharisees added more and more to those laws to puff up their own pride. And so, they asked Jesus this question with all that in their heads. But this is the response that Jesus gives to them. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, Will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then the rest of the story goes that Jesus heals the man's hand and they go on their way. Would you say that Jesus was uncaring about the laws that God had given to Moses thousands of years beforehand? No. <laughs> Jesus was not unconcerned or was not un, yeah was not unconcerned about those laws. He was very concerned about them. He was so concerned about them that he kept all 613 of them perfectly so that us broken sinners would never have to worry about keeping them for our salvation. And so that changes how Jesus answers the question that the Pharisees give him. It changes how he looks at this man with the shriveled hand. And did you notice in his answer, he, he answers the question that the Pharisees should have asked in the first place. He doesn't say it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. He says it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. As far as Jesus was concerned, he never worked a Sabbath in his life. The Pharisees thought he broke the Sabbath just about every week. <laughs> But if Jesus' work on the Sabbath involved doing good to people, involved loving people, then it wasn't work at all. It was love. It was his body language. This story in Matthew 12 is just a glimpse, a sliver of Jesus' body language that he showed to people on earth. He did it in so many other ways. He spoke to unlovable, unlovable people like the Samaritan woman at the well or like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He brought them into his life. He fed people in, in droves that would never be able to repay him. He healed people that never thanked him. Jesus reached out and he drew people close to him, people who had no business being a part of his life except that Jesus wanted them there. And he wanted them there because he wanted to show them just how much he loved them. He wanted to show them that he was their friend. Now that brings us back to John 13. We're in the upper room the night before Jesus dies. There are 12 men with Jesus who have no business being a part of his life other than that Jesus wants them there. He wants them to be his disciples. 
And he wants them to share the final moments of his life with him. He wants them there because he wants to show them just how much he loves him. He goes so far as to, right before our verses, wash the disciples' dirty, nasty, sweaty feet. And then these verses come. How vibrant do you think these words, as I loved you, were to the disciples? After Jesus, the teacher that had healed so many people, got on his hands and knees and washed their feet. How vibrant for them to experience that. They saw Jesus love so many people throughout his ministry and then they personally experienced it in a very real way. Jesus won't wash your feet, but you still get to experience his love in a very real and in a very personal way. You know and you experience it in the same way that Abraham did, like we heard in the first two readings. You experience it by faith. Because you know that Jesus did something much greater than washing your feet. You know that Jesus has come into your life. He has drawn you to Himself, even though you, by nature, wanted nothing to do with Him. He took all of your sins on Himself as though they were His own. And He went to the cross. He went to the cross where his body language spoke immeasurable volumes as his body hung there, lifeless. It was the picture of true, perfect, sacrificial love. The perfect God of the universe laid down his life for you. He not only laid it down, though, he he took it back up. And when he took it back up, his body language continued to show you that you have no doubt about death having no victory over you. The grave will never triumph over you. Death has lost its sting because Jesus showed you that it lost its sting. Jesus' body language of love showed through in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And through it all, Jesus calls you friend. Just like he called Abraham his friend. But you don't get to be someone's friend without spending time with them. I don't get a lot of friends by sitting in my room by myself. I go out and I meet people and I spend time with them. And as I spend time, more and more time with my friends, I find that parts of their life slowly become parts of my life. You pick up different idiosyncrasies of the people you spend time with. Maybe you start laughing in the same way. You start telling the same jokes. You dress the same way. All without really trying to do so at all. It just happens. Well, Jesus wants us to do the same thing with him. Jesus wants us to mimic his body language and he wants it to become something of second nature. In fact, he doesn't just want us to do it, he commands us to do it. He commands that his body language becomes our body language with the rest of the words before us today. You might have noticed the first time I read through these that 
love one another shows up three different times. So that's all about our love. Jesus talks about his love one time. Jesus, I thought that your love was the only love that mattered. I thought your love was the love that saved the whole world. Well, yes, that's true, but our love still holds a purpose. Verse 35 shows it to us. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There are two words for knowing in the Greek language, the language that the Old Testament was written in. There's one that is a knowledge where you read a book and you know what the book says. It's a book knowledge. It's smarts. The other knowing is experiential, where you have experienced it. You know it by having it come into your life. This knowledge is that second type of knowledge. By this, people, everyone will experience that you are my disciples. And so, if, if your body language turns people away from Jesus, they might not get to experience the love that you've experienced in your life. They might not get to Jesus because you're blocking the way. And so your body language is very important. It's vitally important. As people watch you live out your life, does your body language scream love? Or is love pushed out by a short temper, a quick-to-speak tongue, or a discontent attitude? When people come to church for the first time here at Holy Word, are they overwhelmed with love or are they overwhelmed with our cold, rigid, self-centered, sinful hearts? Friends, if the love of Jesus does not shine through our body language, either individually or as a church, then we have a serious problem on our hands because then we're no better than the Pharisees. They had the command to love one another, the command to love their neighbor as themselves. It's in Leviticus 19.18. It's right there. But they let so many other things cloud their minds and cloud their hearts. As a result, their relationships with people were broken. And their relationship with their God was broken. But I know that the body language of Jesus is here. That it's among you. That it's with you. Because you are part of Christ's body. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 12. The body of Christ coming together to serve people in the world and to serve Jesus. Now, all of our love might not look the same, Everyone here has different ways to love different people. And that's okay. Because that's the point of a body. Body parts do different things. But they all function together to accomplish one purpose, and that's to show people the love that Jesus has for them. One person might love to invite their neighbors, their coworkers, everyone they see to worship or to Bible class or to newcomers. Another person might love posting devotions and sermons and emails on their social media pages. 
One person might love volunteering their time week in and week out, and another person might love donating their resources so that other people can do the work of volunteering. All of it, done with a loving heart, lives the body language of Jesus. We live it out in thanks for Him, in service to Him. As long as you have that filter of Jesus, how can I show love to people? That love is going to get there. It'll be in different ways, but it will accomplish some great, marvelous things. When you let the love of Jesus shine through in your life, you come into contact with people like Jimmy. Jimmy was a man who came to our Road to Resurrection event just a few weeks ago, and he brought his two young children with And so I I followed up on Jimmy. I took the picture that we have of his family and gave it to him. It's our thank you gift to him. And I wanted to see how he enjoyed the event. As we got to talking, I asked Jimmy if I would see him at Easter. It was the Tuesday or Wednesday before Easter. And I asked him if we would see him there. Pretty quickly he said, well, no. And then followed it up with, because I'm an atheist. Whoa. Uh, okay, what, what's an atheist doing at our church? Why would he come here in the first place? Well, I got to ask him that. As we went through the conversation, he said, I see that your church loves the community. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of you reaching out to this community and bringing us together You see, body language goes a long way, even in a community event, to show the love of Jesus. A community event can go a long way to saving a soul. A friendship is blossoming as we speak. It might start as two guys just sharing details about life, but I gather that God brought Jimmy into our lives for a much bigger reason. I think God wants to show Jimmy that He is his best friend. Body language. It goes a long way. You see it at dinner tables. You see it in meetings. You see it in friendships too. As your Savior draws you closer and closer to himself through this friendship series, take notes on his body language. I think you will see that Jesus is your best and your kindest friend. And as you mimic Jesus' body language in your own life, pray that it brings people into his friendship, into faith with him so that they can share in the body language and they can share heaven with us one day. Amen.